the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Nathan Mercer from Microsoft. Welcome along, Nathan. Thank Good. you, Paul, and congrats on the 200th episode of What an Occasion. It is. It's a very special occasion, so uh, thank, you for, uh, thank you for joining me. No worries. Thanks for the invite again. Now, a uh, few bits and pieces going on around the country and, uh, and around the world. Now, uh, first up, uh, last week we had the launch of uh, the .nz domain names, and this is a little bit different from what was available previously, where you could get your .co.nz's and .net.nz's and all the other ones. Uh, you can now just get uh, a straight .nz. Uh, so, for instance, uh, one of the ones that um, that I've got is podcasts.nz. Um, some interesting stats there. In the first 24 hours, uh, they passed uh, 17,000 uh, registrations, so um, moving along uh, pretty quickly. In, in total now, there's over 575,000 uh, domain names uh, that, are, that are owned in the New Zealand uh, registry. And I'm sure that – did you have another podcast domain as well? Like, did you, did you, did you have another podcast domain and then yeah, they so reserved the .nz for you that's because right, of that? Yeah, so we have podcast.co.nz and podcast.net.nz. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, because of that, we had uh, priority Yeah, because there's some interesting things when, when, you know, different people own the different – you know, if you owned podcast.co.nz and someone else owned podcast.net.nz, then you'd have that – You get a um, conflicted conflict, situation. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's not always e- easy to, uh, to work work through that but uh, you know what the domain name commission have said is they're really trying to avoid it, it, it being unfair so uh, no one of those that owns the other um, domains if you're in a conflicted situation like that can just jump on it and and get it there has to be an agreement between the parties who will get it uh, if anyone and if no one agrees then uh, no one the gets word it. is that no one gets yeah, it yeah that's what I heard too. Uh, which, which is interesting uh, I can imagine there'll be a bit of money changing hands on some of those things for someone to agree that they don't want it uh, they might be paying up a little bit of money to uh, to, yeah. to someone else so. and so what the where to anyname.nz is the place to go and look for uh, for that it is yeah and when you go to any name um anyname.nz you that's where you can also work through the process of what you need to do and if you've got a a uh, a conflicted situation you can go through there and work that out um sometimes you can even be conflicted with yourself so you own two of the names and you just have to go in under one of them and says you know say that hey this one doesn't want it and then it becomes available uh in conjunction with with the other one so uh, yeah, quite uh, quite interesting. Yeah, as of uh, right now, we have five hundred and seventy eight thousand uh, active .nz domains in, in total, including the .co.nz's and .gov.nz's, uh, etc. So wow. int- interesting to see that uh, that continuing to, uh, to to rise. Now, in uh, other other uh, happenings, we're expected to hear. Uh, some announcements from Apple. Uh, the word is 16th of October in the US in terms of uh, new iPads, possibly even new uh, new iMacs. So uh, I'm sure there'll be a few people looking out for that. 
probably not the top of your radar there. Not uh, top of my radar, uh, but um, I do have. I do. I got to admit, I do have a Mac Mini at home, and um, and one of the rumours I heard was maybe there'll be a new Mac Mini uh, on the sixteenth as well. Yeah, it's sort of that uh, that time we might see a bit of bit of refresh. So uh, the thing I guess I'm interested to see about the iPads. I'm assuming that they're going to get Touch ID, um, and what I'm particularly interested to see is do Apple do a first party keyboard for iPad um, you know we've, you've obviously seen people most of the people that I see using iPad in business have gone out and bought a Logitech Bluetooth keyboard yeah uh, they're great great keyboards actually and it'd be interesting to yeah. see if Apple um, do that and, and what I'm also interested to see is what's going to happen with uh, a larger iPad iPad Pro 12.9 inch iPad is that going to be announced uh next week or is that going to be announced in January February yeah well that's an interesting one it, it, it does seem that the the uh, the non-announcements the the, the rumours up front on uh, Apple releases are uh, becoming more and more accurate so well you would have to pretty, uh, pretty good pretty good pick it's pretty hard to hide these things away isn't it yeah well and you might even suggest that the rumours are staged quite <laughs> quite possibly Quite possibly as a uh, as a PR strategy, it wouldn't be the first time something like that's happened. No, no. Um, and Microsoft, but Microsoft wouldn't do that sort of thing, would they? No, no, no never. No, no. Um, okay. Now, in other uh, other bits and pieces of uh, of news, now we've heard um, Dubai, uh, the police force there, are apparently going to get uh, Google Glass wearables in order to assist them with. Uh, crime fighting <laughs> now i thought this this was kind of a, fa- a fascinating thing um few a, a few reasons one you know google glass isn't sort of uh yeah generally broadly available on a on a global uh yeah basis it's it's still not sort of reached that uh that uh point of m- maturity uh and the other thing, which is, uh, I guess, maybe not directly related, but uh, to, to give you some insights into the uh, the police force in Dubai, um, is that uh, apparently the um, the police chief there had uh, announced last year that they were going to be buying uh, $400,000 uh, Lamborghinis for, um, for the police. <laughs> to drive around because they needed to sort of fit in with what other people drive in Dubai. It's a good way to spend your oil revenues, isn't it? That's um, that's a crazy part of the world, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So I guess yeah, if you can spend that much on a car, then you could probably buy pretty much any tech gadget that uh, that you want, couldn't you, Nathan? But I think it, it, it is it is interesting how we are starting to see. Uh, you know the kind of early emergence of those wearables having enterprise and and business scenarios, and I guess you know you can think of all sorts of interesting things, uh, you know, healthcare and telehealth, and all sorts of scenarios where those types of wearables are, are going to start to get prevalent over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think uh, you know once once the products sort of mature and developers get used to working with these things, there'll, there'll be a, a huge raft of, of things that come out. And it's obviously not just Google that are working in this space. We've seen products from other, you know, a range of 
uh, companies that are uh, that are working working on uh, yeah. on on wearable you know, glasses type devices yeah, and yeah. so on. Uh, so it's very much early early days for that. But uh, yeah, I'm always interested to see what uh, what people do with with even the the, uh, the versions of the products that are available now. Uh, yeah, even though they're uh, they're they're pretty pretty limited, you know, to date. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, another interesting thing was um, Marriott Hotels copping a big fine, uh, $600,000 US fine for, uh, for blocking uh, access to, uh, to Wi-Fi networks other than their own uh, within, uh, within, uh, within a conference. With, yeah, within a, a, a conference situation where they've got a convention centre and so that people couldn't use their own sort of, you know, tether to their own uh, mobile devices and so on, so they were forced to be paying for uh, uh, the, I guess you might call them trumped-up um, um, pro- yeah, prices well, that, uh, that these these places charge for uh, short-term Wi-Fi access. I guess it's, it's part a, of their revenue stream. It's a, yeah, it's a rot, isn't it? Um, but the funny thing is, is you'd also say that the minibars are rot, but the hotel doesn't stop you bringing in your own can of coke and your chips into your hotel. Here, they were stopping you using your own using your own Wi-Fi, and they're actually using a pretty nasty technique uh, called called deauthentication, um, which is the same way that people, uh, you know, do hacks to um, have like an evil SSID. So you think you're connecting to your own SSID, but you're not. But yeah, you did right. What an absolutely ridiculous situation where you turn up and you can't. Uh, use your Wi-Fi off your cell phone that you've paid the carrier for, and so it's no wonder they got fined. Mm. I mean, if they were to say up front what they were doing and that these were going to be the rules of the convention centre and and so on, that everybody knew and understood it, then people probably just wouldn't book the convention centre in the first <laughs> place, right? Yeah, um, that would that would be my pick. But just to uh, to get in there and actually, but you'd uh, think um, do that, you'd think six hundred thousand dollar fine uh, that will teach them a lesson. I would, I would certainly hope so. So, yeah, the the message is out there. Be be nice if you're in one of these, uh, if you're in one of these situations. All right, now um, Adobe. Now they've been in the in the news a little bit in the last few days, Nathan. Um, partly in in conjunction with Microsoft. Also, uh, last week I went to um, in conjunction with Adobe. Went to see uh, David Finch's uh, new movie with uh, Ben Affleck, uh, Gone Girl, and they were. Um, Adobe were highlighting that because it's sort of the first big feature film to be entirely edited using Adobe Premiere Pro, which is uh, one of the products that comes in uh, Adobe's Creative Cloud subscription, uh, which is a is a reasonably priced way to uh, to produce a, a movie or any other video content. I would I would think uh, because a lot of people will buy Creative Cloud for for doing something like InDesign or Photoshop, and yeah, you end up with this package of a whole, you know, a whole bunch of tools and uh, having having video editing in there. That's uh, at that sort of yeah film production level is uh, is pretty cool. And I think it's um, <clears throat> I guess it's what you see all of the traditional kind of you know PC ISV vendor type uh, people trying to figure out how they are going to make money in this new world of uh, of mobile uh, and cloud. Um, and I guess from Microsoft's point of view, we've you know we've been partners, but we've also been in co-opetition or or competition with with Adobe for you know for quite a while. Um, and we so we had our CEO there at um, at the Adobe Max conference, and we demoed um, 
a whole bunch of those new Creative Cloud tools, Illustrator and Photoshop running on Surface Pro 3. All the attendees got a Surface Pro 3. That's, uh, which that's, is a, which that's is a very great nice way to, for a conference attendee to get a, uh, a an expensive device like that. Well, I think it's a great way to show off the power of a real uh, tablet that has that is fully powerful. That's a creative device that offers all sorts of interesting ways of interacting. Not what just do you mean touch. a real tablet, Nathan? What Mouse, are you talking about? Keyboard, multiple user accounts, stylus. Oh, you mean a PC in a tablet <laughs> form factor? A PC disguised as a tablet. <laughs> and I think that you know that totally speaks to what you see. Uh, creative people need is a device that actually is powerful <laughs> yes well there's all sorts of ways of, of doing this stuff and uh, yeah we, we are certainly keen to, to talk about some Microsoft things today so we're we're, um, we're 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 certainly okay with that discussion but yeah it was interesting to see um, the Microsoft CEO Sachin Nadella actually you know doing up there um, you know as, as part of that uh, that keynote at an Adobe conference it's uh, it's not the sort of level of relationship we've seen between Adobe and Microsoft before is it and we, you know I guess traditionally uh, yeah most people would have thought of Adobe and Apple as being uh, as being close partners. Uh, whereas, yeah, this I think this is certainly a, probably a perception change for a lot of people ar- yep. ar- around Adobe, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it would be interesting to actually know the stats of uh, those that were there at the Adobe conference that were, say, Mac users versus um, PC users and and the mobile platforms which which they use uh, because I think Adobe's been very very strong on Windows for a, for a long time in, in terms of um, you know their, their user base uh, but if you look at mobile devices I would imagine that's you know skewed very very strongly in a in an Apple sort of uh, yeah, di- di- direction so absolutely yeah, fascinating but I think when you you know when you think about those those creativity type scenarios um, it does really show off the power of not just touch but uh, you know having a having a proper digitizer in surface pro um, and pen and and to your point about you know giving surface surface pro 3 away it's a great way to get that in the, in the hands of of all of those users so they can go and play and create and and, and see what that productivity is all about yeah absolutely now i think uh, i think a good a good move on uh, on microsoft's part in uh in those regards now uh, something uh, coming a little bit uh, closer to home uh, in some ways um, My Republic new ISP launching in New Zealand this week uh, originally uh, started in Singapore and uh, they're a fibre only internet service provider uh, they went into the Singapore or uh, they launched in Singapore and uh, it really stirred up the market there with some pretty competitive offerings uh, so we're expecting them to launch uh, launch here in New Zealand this week. Um, have you uh, have you heard any of the sort of rumblings of, around My Republic, uh, Nathan? Have you, you caught caught any of that uh, stuff? I've never ever heard of them, Paul. <laughs> so no, I haven't. Um, no, never never heard of My Republic. So I've obviously missed their advertising or their well. No, PR they, they or... haven't really done much uh, to to be fair, sort of publicly just yet. But they, they, I guess they're. Uh, you know, this week is when they will they will sort of start uh, start yeah talking to the market, and they're certainly uh, yeah even in Singapore they're not the they're not um, you know they're not one of the big um, the big biggest players. Uh, you know, they've come in as sort of a, a uh, you know a smaller player within the market there, and uh, and have stir- stirred things up. So uh, I think that's sort of their expectation here. Although you could say that in New Zealand. Uh, there's, we've already got a, a, a growing sort of competitive environment with 
lots of uh, smaller ISPs that are you know a step down from your big yeah uh, or even um, a Spark and, and and Vodafone type uh, type players that are offering unlimited plans which, yeah, which or, tends or to even, be um, even your sub brands like Big Pipe um, you know kind, right. of, kind of disassociating themselves from the parent company Spark and and doing those unbundled, unlimited uh, fiber and VDSL plans, mm. and that, that was certainly the comment that that one one of those other players said to me is, uh, "Look, they may have done very well in Singapore, where there wasn't a lot of competition. How well are they going to do, uh, yeah, in New Zealand, where there are there are other players that are you know, are really pushing with uh, unlimited plans and um, um, yeah, global mode type services, which is something that uh, My Republic's been doing in uh, in Singapore for some time. Oh, they do global mode over there. Well, they've they've got a different name for it, but yeah, they yeah, they yeah. offer that type of service where you can access uh, yeah international streaming services and and the like. So yeah, but I think this this will be an interesting uh, one one to watch because they're they're a player that I think has has done well in that Singapore market. And there, uh, some some of their uh, some of their plans are uh, yeah, pretty phenomenal in terms of you know, gigabit uh, uh, yeah, f- fiber uh, plans, unlimited for. Uh, I think one of the ones I was was looking at was in the uh, not too far off fifty dollars actually a month. So. Right. Uh, obviously, some pretty different economics there in the uh, in the Singapore market, but there are similarities also in Singapore uh, with their model of rolling out uh, fibre uh, into home environments. That uh, if you look at what uh, what's happened in New Zealand with the government's uh, ultra fast broadband initiative, there are certainly some similarities uh, there. And uh, Singapore, the Singapore government has, I think, worked uh, you know worked hard to make. Uh, yeah, fast fibre connections available to uh, to consumers. We actually have it. Um, we actually have it pretty good here in New Zealand, really. Compared to, I mean, even compared to our cousins across the ditch in Australia, we've um, we've we're actually pretty good now compared to even five years ago. I think. So where where do you think it will go from uh, from from here? I'm just looking now. So my Republic one gigabit plan in uh, in Singapore, and the Singapore dollar is never usually too far off the the New Zealand dollar. That's right. Uh, and it's uh, forty nine ninety nine a uh, a month order now, and get a free phone apparently. So uh, yeah, I, is I that can't the, imagine. Is that the, that's the Singaporean pricing? Yeah. Yeah. So I can't imagine we're going to get quite that sort of level uh, in the New Zealand market, and it's un. Um, I'm looking here another pricing page which is saying uh, gigabit download and half a gigabit upload um, for 60 60 um, Singapore uh, dollars a month so one is their uh, their advert the other one is their uh, the pricing that's actually on their uh, on their their website ah that $60 one is their gamer uh, plan which is slightly uh, slightly different so, yeah, I'm I'm really curious what they're gonna what they're gonna launch here. Um, there's been a few discussions around on on Geek Zone, and I've been uh, chatting to them. So, um, worth worth having a look. I think from from Thursday once they what make their do, announcement. When you talk to, to them, when you talk to them, Paul, what do they say is their unique differentiator or their their business moat kind of compared to the other players? Well, they are pure fiber so they they're only delivering a fiber service so they're not getting uh dis- distracted with VDSL or ADSL type services it's it's really all around delivering a fiber uh service and so 100% of their focus is is around that so uh i guess that makes them a pretty modern ISP to not look at the other offerings um yeah especially as fiber's not available 
obviously to uh, to everyone, although that the number uh, of people that can access it is, is growing every day. So, yeah, I think they'll be worth watching. And uh, you know, in a worst case scenario, they uh, they you know they stir up the market a, a, little, a little bit more. Um, and and in the best case, then they're then they're they're a yeah, great competitive player with with good offerings and will be around for a long time to come. So uh, we'll we'll just wait and see on that. But uh, yeah, from from the bits and pieces I, I've seen, I think they're they're going to have some good offers, and not just for consumers, also for businesses. Uh, so yeah, I think they'll be uh, they'll be they'll certainly be well worth a uh, a little bit of a look there once they uh, once they land. Cool. I wish I could get fibre in my house. Oh well. One day, um, maybe, or you might have to move. Um, now, on to, uh, on to Hewlett-Packard. Pretty big news uh, broke over the, over the weekend, uh, hit, the, hit the rumour mill and was, was accurate, as, as these uh, you know, big uh, stories often are when they're coming through a uh, uh, mainstream media outlet like the Wall Street Gen- Journal, where, uh, where I heard about uh, this. Is that uh, yeah? Hewlett Packard or HP are uh, are going to chop themselves into uh, into two halves. Whether whether they're actually halves or not is a, is another question. But into into, so what, into, into two into two businesses anyway. One's going to be called Hewlett, and the other's going to be called Packard. Yeah, no. yeah, very good, mate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I I read that as well, and I um, it doesn't surprise me at all. And the reason why is that um, those you know, frankly, hardware vendors have got a huge problem. I mean, look at Dell; they've had to go private uh, amidst lackluster sales. And I think the problem here is is that people aren't paying as much for new equipment anymore. So in this kind of hardware competition space, it's really a, a race to the bottom. You've got commodity pricing uh, going on there in this kind of traditional kind of consumer gadget uh, industry. And I think what it really speaks to, Paul, is that if you do not, if you're selling hardware and you don't own the operating system, you don't own the app store, you don't own the services on top of that, then you're done. And um, the way I look at it is, is that vertical integration um, is the name of the game uh, going forward in terms of the long run. Anything you do, kind of horizontal integration like that, really does create a commodity business where. Um, you know, you're, you're going to compete against. You know, and I think like last time you talked about some of those kind of low cost uh, devices that are that are coming into the market. You know, there's a there's a huge wave of those coming out of uh, Shenzhen in, in China, mm. uh, just north of Hong Kong. And you take a step back and think about Apple. You know, many 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 years ago, you probably would have said that Apple was uh, stupid for going vertically integrated and it almost put them out of business frankly but look at them now in the long run it was the right call um, yeah I mean it's worked very well for them to, to own you know own things from, from start to finish and to you know to make the hardware make the software make all the services and so on that, uh, that, that sit around it and yeah I think it, it's pretty fair to say that they, that that whole model is incredibly profitable when you when you get it right yeah uh, I think it's very hard to get it right is yep. one, one of the one of the challenges as, as, as other players uh, have seen I don't know how Microsoft's uh, numbers are going in terms of um, you know making the, the devices as, as well as uh, the OS and their varying services sort of surrounding it but as you say these tend, tend, tend to be a, a long-term play. HP, of course, tried to do that uh, when when they bought um, what was uh, Palm OS and then became uh, uh, or the Web OS, 
Um, at, but they didn't manage to sort of make that particular one uh, that one that one fly. Which I, think I, I guess you know speaks to the speaks to the challenges of bringing all these uh, bringing all the pieces together. Um, but I guess when I when I look at uh, hardware a hardware purchase today, you're usually buying a particular piece of hardware, be it a smartphone, a tablet, a laptop, a desktop computer, uh, with a with an image in mind as a as to what software you want to run on it, what you want to do with it, and you tend to make a call whether whether you're going for, uh, yeah, OS X if it's if it's on a on a desktop computer uh, or on a laptop, or whether you want to run Android, iOS, Windows, etc. Uh, and I think that software piece is is absolutely key to the whole uh, the whole picture. I think um, I, I've probably got a slightly different view. And I think you're dead right about what you say in business, um, but I think what you're seeing with the consumerization of IT, which yeah. I think is starting to become a bit of an overused term, but uh, with apps and with cloud, you know, you really are starting to see people's, uh, you know, uh, interaction with devices be much more kind of app centric. And um, yeah, that, if, I, if I put my kind yeah, of Microsoft hat on, you know, yeah. that's. Uh, that's why we're making sure that we've got Microsoft icons on everyone's screens, whether it's a an Android or a, a or an iOS device with Skype and OneDrive and Word and Excel and PowerPoint and all those all those apps. And so, yeah, I, I think it's it's a bit of both, but probably more you you yeah. commenting well, on operating we're, system more so in business. I think. Yeah, when a business goes out to buy a buy computer to go on a desk, uh, yep. they're thinking about well, yep. this is going to run well. Predominantly, this is going to run Windows, yep. and so the 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 hardware will be hardware that that runs Windows, obviously. And but the 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 first factor is whether it will run Windows, yep. and then it, and then it goes from there. And I think that's one of the challenges, whether you're an HP or a Lenovo uh, or whoever you are. Um, that there, yeah, there's a bunch of other players that are making hardware that can also run that operating system as as well as of course Microsoft now. Well, and you could say the same thing about your LG, your um, oh, this is very much the uh, same uh, with smartphone I, smartphones now in terms of you know the Android phones yeah, because yeah, some, somebody I mean, wants wants an Android phone. Um, there's a bit more differentiation though there from from vendor which from vendor to vendor, um, which is a two edged sword to be to yep. be fair for uh, for all of those players. But uh, it's proving pretty hard for uh, a lot of them to make money. Even Samsung's uh, you know, profits are really uh, are, are really pressured at the profits, moment. They're talking about profits huge, halved, right? huge drop uh, yeah. in 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 profits. So uh, the model that Apple have got is certainly proving to be uh, it's proving to be the one that's uh, that's most profitable out there right now. All right, now, uh, so, yeah, so Hewlett-Packard, so the split there is uh, is into an enterprise business and then uh, the uh, the personal systems and uh, and printing division. So, yeah, it is quite an interesting split. It very much seems to be uh, the, the, I guess, the, the, the core hardware uh, products versus your, your, uh, enterprise or business sort of services and uh, and varying sort of related uh, products around that. Have you got a uh, a, a view, Nathan, on um, what this is? You know, what the outcome of this will be? Do you do you think it will make a lot of difference um, to them? 
Because all you know, I think the share price immediately jumped up. There was a real sort of positive, uh, positive note to this. Uh, you know, I know that a lot of people within Hewlett Packard have been really uh, positive about uh, Meg Whitman, who came in as the CEO. What must be around two years ago now, uh, in terms of her leadership. Uh, obviously, with this, then you you end up with two different businesses, and she can only lead one of those. And that's the enterprise. I mean, side. it's got to it's got to make a lot of sense, you know. Basically, they've divested themselves of the parts that don't make any sense. Uh, they can focus on their um, on their knitting per, per se. Uh, the interesting thing um, that I think, Paul, is that what are they going to do about smartphone? They're going to have to do something there. Well, they've been talk, talking about getting back into it for for a little while. We haven't seen uh, seen any products, right? You and know, the reality the reality is is that people's lives revolve around smartphones these days, and you know you've got you've got those three ecosystems of uh, of Google, Apple, Microsoft, and that order of micro, uh, and that order of market share. Mm. And um, I think that they hey, don't get BlackBerry to, uh, with uh, with the new passport uh, just uh, just been announced. Yeah, so I watched a cool little demo of that the other day on a Canadian breakfast show. Guy was love talking it up, loving it. Well, the Canadians, they uh, they they Patriotic. love the Ferry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Surprised you haven't got one around here at the office, Paul. Well, they sent me some details through, and um, I've asked them to ping ping one across. Um, nothing, nothing as yet, and I think part of that is. They, you know, even even though they they sent me an announcement that related to the New Zealand market, it didn't actually confirm anything around a local launch. And I think, yeah, we've already heard at least one of the telcos say, no, we won't be we won't be stocking it. Yeah, uh, you know, therein lies the problem. I, yeah, and uh, you know, I haven't I haven't heard, yeah we haven't heard anything of of any telco at this stage um, saying that they're going to uh, going to be launching the new BlackBerry Passport. So. Uh, yeah, a real challenge when you get to that sort of stage because they they need the Vodafones uh, and the Sparks of this world to be uh, to be signing on and and getting behind the product if they can get any significant market share. Uh, and and you know in the same way that um, yeah Nokia had to fight really hard to uh, to to keep uh, you know some position in the market and uh, you know they've, they've managed to do that with uh, and and you know from the the. Uh, Microsoft side now in terms of having those Windows phones coming through uh, the the telco channels. I think it's uh, it's important. Otherwise, the product just disappears entirely. Yep. So, all right. Now, where were we going with that? We were get, well. This, to sum it up, watch the space around HP and mobile smartphones. Yeah. Well, and it, um, you know, surely it's got to. It would have to be Android. Well, uh, there's been certainly been all the talk in that in that direction, and they've certainly started on uh, on that side with with various uh, got consumer and, got Android consumer tablets, tablets, right? and so on. Um, don't forget though that they did used to make uh, Microsoft phones once upon a time, just before they bought uh, bought uh, WebOS. They did. Uh, but I've still, and, got, I've still got all my um, pocket uh, compact iPad, oh, yeah, pocket PCs. Yep, yep. And it, and it was just last week that we got the announcement that as well as their low cost Android. Tablets that they're now doing uh, low-cost uh, Windows tablets and, and Windows laptops, uh, yeah, starting at that ninety-nine US dollar price point. So, uh, hey, anything's possible. But you would probably know a little a little bit more if there was uh, if there was anything to share. I'm sure Nathan around uh, any any of their uh, decisions in regards to uh, Microsoft uh, operating systems. <laughs> um, but talking about Microsoft operating systems, uh, what we did want to chat to you about, and the reason that we we um, uh, I thought. You should be uh, be here today. Is around uh, Windows 
Windows Nine was what we were what we were guessing it was called last week. We weren't sure, uh, but that was the guess. But it's uh, Windows Ten is the next version of Windows. Windows Ten is the next version of Windows. Why? Why is it called Windows Ten, Nathan? Basically, because um, we are doing Windows in a new way. It's not just an incremental change. It's really a way of addressing redesigning and re-engineering Windows for this new mobile-first, cloud-first world and, you know, trying to get this kind of next billion users of Windows running running Windows 10. Wasn't that uh, what Windows 8 was sort of all about? <laughs> you know, there's about, um, it's about 1.1 billion people running Windows 7 and XP. There's about 200 million people running Windows 8. It's fair to say that people that use Windows 8 on a touch machine love it. Um, you know, but predominantly people that are using mouse and keyboard on a desktop in business are using Windows 7. And so what we announced last week with Windows 10 was really what we are doing uh, in business in terms of um, a business platform for Windows for organizations and employees and really giving people a reason to upgrade their desktop PCs from Windows 7 to to, to Windows 10. But yeah, it's... um. And hey, look, it's got people talking about the fact that we we skipped a version. So, um, so what about there was some uh, there was some reports going around saying, oh, you skipped a version because uh, some software would be uh, would be checking whether you're running Windows nine and not checking the rest of the uh, the thing from uh, well, dating back to Windows ninety five and, and ninety eight. Well, um, frankly, um, frankly, who cares uh, if um, if that was true? I mean, what's don't you think it's a bit of a pragmatic approach? Um, would you rather have your applications not work? No, I'm just putting it out there. I mean, I couldn't confirm or deny uh, <laughs> the the Java application compatibility issue that you're discussing there, Paul. <laughs> but um, don't don't you think that is a pragmatic approach to you know one of the value props of Windows is the fact that you can run all of your stuff from 30 years ago, and um, hey, um, I'm, I'm, I, hey, I'm not going to judge one one way or the other. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess if you did want to run some really old software, then um, yeah, you could run a really old operating system, or you could run a yeah, a new one with a slap of paint on it, Nathan. Um, hey, it's more than a you know, it's more uh, than a slap of paint. I think if you think about the you know the convergence that's happening here, it's actually probably a bit different than what Google are doing with Chrome and Android, with what Apple are doing with iOS and OS X. You know, we're we're essentially converging our platforms into one. So one Windows, one store, one kernel, one one driver model. That covers everything from Xbox to Windows to Windows Phone to Internet of Things, um, you know, type type applications, and I think that's a that's a pretty interesting thing. It's not that's the biggest change, isn't it? Yeah, that, it's that, not that, the same. It's going to be one effectively one sort of core yeah. uh, operating system that runs across all these devices. Yeah, and it's not. We're not saying it's the same UI. It's going to be a tailored experience based on the type of device that you are, are using. But that's a pretty interesting thing from a from a management management deployment application point of view, the fact that I can have an app that spans the smallest of devices from, you know, phone to phablet to small tablet to tablet to all in one to to um, TV with TVs your Xbox or the and so on. perceptive pixel kind of eighty inch displays that we'll uh, that we're expecting to be a 
you know available kind of worldwide um, a little bit a little bit later on, and so that's a you know that's a pretty interesting thing that that kind of converged you know converged um, converged model there. And I think um, well, pretty important from a Microsoft perspective, where you know so many people have jumped onto, for instance, iOS and, and Android because of the apps they can get and so on that you make it as tempting as possible for developers to make their apps available on your platform. But when they do, it then becomes very easy for them to make them available on, you know, on a yeah. whole broad range of broad range of devices, yeah. right? Because I mean, those, was, those developers obviously think about what's the market share of the runtime that they are, you know, that they are, that they are targeting. And I, I think to your, to your point about Android and iOS, it, it actually, you know, People are actually relatively fickle in terms of pe- people are picking up these devices and and switching between iOS and Android, you know, all the time. It, it's and, true. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's so many. And this morning was a it, was a perfect example. Ran into someone said, "Ah, oh, left left my, uh, my my phone. It's stuck in customs at uh, uh, Tokyo Narita Airport. Uh, can't get it back until someone goes there. They won't send it. Uh, so I flicked flicked across, and I'm using a um, you know a Samsung Galaxy now. And that and that totally speaks to the point that we talked about before around you know it's not just the ecosystem in terms of Google, Microsoft, Apple. It's actually the apps that people use. And so you know that person um, you know got up that whatever apps they're using on their device, you know they're they're, they're up and running. And that's um, you know that gives me hope that this game's not over yet. So Microsoft might might still be in business in a couple of years' time. You think? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I think one of the really one of the, I mean, it's still early in the in the release of uh, you know Windows Windows ten. We really wanted to kind of explain to businesses <clears throat> what we're doing there um, because businesses take so long to evaluate, deploy, you know, these operating systems, and so. There's well, big businesses do. If you look at the New Zealand market, we've got a lot of sort of small to medium businesses. It's much easier for them to jump on board with whatever the latest and greatest is. If it's going to give them some sort of business advantage, they can jump on board and, and use it immediately. But we talk about our banks and telcos and 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 the like, the sort of the, you know companies like Spark that are, that have got a, a scale and thousands of employees. It's much harder to do in those sorts of cases, isn't it? It is. And there's some key things that people are looking. If, if you think about some of the challenges these modern businesses have, and you put uh, you know mobile to one side, some of the challenges that they have around containerization and separating kind of work and life. The, the you know phones become so centric to the way that people do you know do do business now that you, you're seeing all these different options that people are running on their devices containerization and good and airwatch and mobile line and all of these kind of uh, uh, layers that people have had to put on phone to to separate um, you know business business stuff apart so that's that's really one of the things that we're kind of building into um, into the into the product is that separation of application and uh, and data so you can you can handle that stuff and and also you know this is really going to be the last kind of big bang release of windows window windows 10 will be a simple upgrade from 7 8 and 8.1 we're not going to have these kind of so white that, that's why you're sort of aligning with the apple name where they've got os x and then it's you know 10 so 0.1 0.2 0.3 we might see a similar thing from microsoft 
Well, I think you. you uh, I mean, I yeah. Look, I don't know about don't know about names going forward, but clearly people are used to having an easy way to upgrade their iPhone six pluses that you're holding in the ha- in your hand there. And look, that's again talks to that consumerization. People want stuff delivered onto their devices at cloud speed, uh, and you know, I guess that's one of the interesting things that we're actually building <coughs> into ten is this constant um, delivery model, of, you know, of getting new features down onto your device. And we're actually going to be probably one of the uh, one of the only players out there that actually offers people a way to kind of have we we call it flighting where people will be able to stay on the old stuff for, for 10 years like we do with Windows today for those mission-critical systems. We're going to have a way for consumers to get new features as basically as soon as we've, we've developed them. They'll come out through Windows Update. And then we're going to have a middle ground for businesses that want to be able to test those things. And, you know, and it could be something like we actually deliver new features down onto the Windows platform you know, maybe three times a year, every four months. Um, I'm pretty interested to see how this is going to land. And I, I mentioned Spark before, but I mean they've they've moved onto newer platforms. I know they you know they, they were stuck on on XP for a long time, as a lot of uh, big businesses were. But you know I would see with this sort of change coming, um, bigger businesses will actually be able to keep much more up to date than they have in the past, where they've often been number of uh, versions back. Is is that what you're sort of picking here as we go to Windows 10? And there's that sort of compatibility across the platform. People, you know, once people have made that move, because I think there's a, you know, once people get to Windows Seven, virtually everything that runs on Windows Seven runs on Windows Eight and runs on Windows Ten, doesn't it? Yeah, so and obviously once we're, we're you know, in quite once, a different world now in terms of compatibility and the ability to keep, uh, you know, products up to date. And once you're on Windows Seven, you know, you're on a you're on a good place there. And I, I guess where we see people using Eight is mobile touch scenarios the thing is is that most of the world are you know using the way you've got your desk set up here with mouse and keyboard and so you know i guess the number one thing that people say is who moved my cheese where's my start menu I don't have a touch device. It's been a bit of a, a bit of a, a sore point, hasn't it? And, the, and the, the funny market. thing is, is I, I did a demo the other night, Paul, and um, you know, I got a round of applause when um, I showed the old, new start menu. But I also see a whole bunch of people that are moaning uh, that that has come back. That's come back. Yeah, sure. So, so therein lies the dichotomy, and, and I guess what we're doing there is giving people choice. Uh, where you think about Windows 8 was kind of more of a consumer OS, Windows 7 is more of a professional OS. We're really bringing those two things together. And the way I think about it is you're not going to have that duality or that split brain of um, flipping between, you know, modern and desktop apps. So That's right. And, uh, I mean, I've used it, and you fire up the, the, the modern apps, but they can come up in a, in a window on your local desktop if you, you know, you're run, yeah. running, uh, you know, you're sitting at your desk sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know whether you've seen the kind of launch uh, video that we did in LA, but we're actually, but it's not, it's not in the builds that are publicly available today, but it'll be available shortly. Uh, this feature called Continuum, where uh, uh, when say if I'm on my Surface Pro three that I've got here, when I'm yep. using it like a laptop, like I am now, it's going to have the traditional start menu. It's going to have Windows as Windows. Sure. I yep. detach you my detach device. The keyboard. It'll go full screen. It'll put a back button onto the taskbar. It'll you know. So it'll ask mm-hmm. me if I want to go into touch mode. Yeah, and I, I was actually looking for that when I when I installed it on uh, on the Surface Pro there, and uh, you was a bit disappointed it wasn't quite quite there uh, just yet. But uh, I think that you know. Yeah, I'm really interested just to see how it evolves over the next 
few months. Of course, this is called you know that 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 cycle that we're used to with uh, with Microsoft in terms of uh, opening up and seeing products early. But probably this one's a little bit different to, to most, and that there's quite a lot of uh, yeah visible I mean, this, changes that are going to happen during that. Let's guess what this is the five four five six months until we sort of see a, see a release. Maybe. Probably probably slightly longer than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the this is the this is the earliest that we've ever released a public build of uh, an early version of Windows ever and I think that speaks to the thing about us really caring and listening to to to, to people's opinions um, you know when, when people sign up for the preview you can sign up for this insiders program where you know you'll get those new builds more often and and you can also give give feedback and, and you know when people give feedback it actually automatically goes into our our Visual Studio TFS bug reporting system that people actually look at. So, so um, it's we we actually are listening to 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 what people say there. Um, I mean, I've well, I, I, I've been running it for about a month, and and I mean, I'm 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 loving it. I've been reading the forums on PC World Press F One and, and Geek Zone, and there seems to be uh, a lot of people, I guess the kind of IT pro style user upgrading to it and um, and loving it so encourage people to download yeah, it. Yeah, I, think, it I mean the ge- the general the general uh, feeling out there seems to be you know positive it's uh, you know from from a simplistic perspective it's it's yeah, taking um, the yeah, the best of Windows Seven, the best of Windows Eight, sort of merging it together. So maybe it should be called Windows Seven Point Five. I'm not sure. Um, no, that's that's a li- that's a little bit harsh because I know there's a bunch of new stuff in there, and and this is changing as as you say to a uh, a new world where there'll be those sort of you know more continuous types of updates uh, um, going on. So yeah, I, th- I mean I think this is this is a pretty positive release, and I know a lot of the listeners will be interested in. Uh, Having a little play around with it, and what I found is it is uh, it's a reasonably quick and easy install if you've got a device available to do it. So I did it on the original uh, Surface Pro. Um, probably took all up um, off a off a USB um, stick about uh, twenty minutes yeah. uh, to to do the to do to do a fo- to do the upgrade. Um, I tried it on a machine. Uh, a PC at home, and it didn't give me a sort of upgrade grade option. It was uh, looking like it was maybe op- offering to pull across some files or just to wipe the system entirely. So there'll be some scenarios that are different. It might have been was that a what sort of was that a Windows Seven system or was uh, it? Windows eight point one? So it might it might have been that I had the uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the sixty four bit yeah. install on a thirty two bit machine, or, or maybe or, you had Enterprise versus Pro yeah, or something like different that. Different versions of uh, Windows, so it won't work. And you know the upgrade won't necessarily work in every case, but uh, for those that are, that are keen to have a bit of an early play, yeah, um, so, so it, really it's probably the, mostly stable, isn't it? For uh, for you know for doing bits and pieces on, but it's it's not I mean, something I've, that would be recommended as your as your main work machine as a as a general Microsoft recommendation. But then Nathan, you're running it here, and you have been for uh, yeah for a little while as. That's just what you do all your work on, and uh, you, I don't yeah. have I don't have any problems. You know, as mm. as you'd say, yeah, you know, it's mm. not something you're going to roll out through your business today. Yeah, but I think put if it, you're put a thousand users on, if it you're tomorrow. one of those kind of technically enthused uh, users, yeah, go and download it, play, give us give us give us feedback. Um, we're going to start to dribble out new you know new features shortly. The, that flighting that I kind of uh, talked about before. Um, and then there's going to be a few more widely available releases coming into next calendar year. So there'll be a there'll be a consumer uh, release early yep. in the year. There'll be a developer release, which uh, which will be at the build conference. 
um, and then we'll launch it mid mid uh, mid twenty fifteen. And uh, there's still a lot of things to talk about. You know, we've only we've only announced the the business features. The yeah, and the there's also uh, there's also a new version of Windows Server that's uh, been made available for download at the same same time. Um, as yet, I think you know unnamed um, in terms of what it will be called. Will it be Windows Server? Uh, 2015 or, or or otherwise but uh, that's available as well for those that are uh, in that world and there's a bunch of new features and and things in there as as one would, would expect uh, yeah a bunch around the virtualization side and um, yeah we won't go into that but for those those that are in that side it's well worth uh, well worth having a look at that as well and I'm sure that will evolve a little bit yeah, over the next and, few months few months too you think about what I said before about those kind of flightings of delivering new features. You know, it's going to be the same thing on Windows Server. You think about cloud stuff and, and, and hybrid and what we're doing in, in, in Azure. Uh, you've got that same challenge from an IT pro point of view of people running Windows Server who, you know, potentially want new features on some of their systems, but at the same time have got, uh, you know, want to keep stuff stable. So so we're working on some interesting scenarios that are going to deliver to both of those different audiences at the you know at the same time um and I think this, this, you know, from uh, from the perspective of looking at companies doing well and being profitable and so on, uh, you know, th- this this model puts Microsoft in a position where businesses will want to be on some form of a, a subscription or a, or an ongoing license where they don't just buy a product outright and get stuck with it because these products are are evolving uh, all of the time and there'll be some of those bits and pieces that are going to be uh, going to be relevant to them, you know, probably in a lot of cases. So, yeah, I think from a business perspective as we're seeing with Adobe and and as we're seeing with with Microsoft Office 365 and so on that move into a um into a subscription ongoing uh, yeah payment type model uh yeah in in theory will work out well both both for for Microsoft and for uh, for for customers so absolutely yeah it's going to be um it's going to yeah just be interesting to see as we get we get more uh, you know converged in this we're already used to it with the likes of Office 365 that has pretty regular updates to actually see that coming down to uh to all our other uh, devices. Now, quickly, before we finish up, uh, hardware-wise, when when you and I caught up a few weeks ago, uh, you were telling me about some of these new low-cost sort of tablets that were uh, were coming through from, as you say, from Shenzhen. And, and uh, you know, so you've got the Chinese and Taiwanese markets where, where we're, we're seeing some really low-cost devices uh, being made that are able to run Windows. Now, we've seen a lot of those running Android over the, over the past couple of years. Uh, and and often with with that that frustration that that uh, you know still does people's heads in today that you buy a, you buy a, a lower cost device and uh, you know it's anyone's guess in terms of whether you're going to be able to run the next version of of, of Android on it or or, or not. Um, what's happening what's happening there in the in the window space yeah. is it true that we're actually now starting to see uh, devices that are going to really be price competitive with android but in theory we'll be able to keep up with those those regular sort of updates at an operating system level yeah i mean the simple answer is yes and if you just take a step back i mean you the, your, your, your listeners probably some of them know some of them don't know that essentially Shenzhen just you know Guangdong just north of China there they're just north of Hong Kong mm. I mean that's pretty much where all of the PCs and tablets and it's a massive ecosystem there that's basically building all of the world's electronics that's incredible uh, isn't it you know are coming out of there and um 
so so what we're you know to your point what we're really seeing is um we we probably six months ago we essentially removed the licensing cost off, off away from windows for nine inch devices and what microsoft's done is we've actually partnered with intel we've put about anything f- smaller than nine isn't it anything smaller yeah. than nine and yeah. then and then we've also lowered the actual cost for things that are over nine and so microsoft's actually put about 50 new employees so far into Shenzhen, and we're essentially partnering with um, Intel, with the ODMs or the original device manufacturers, manufacturers which are the ones yep. that the OEMs go to to badge their their products like Dell, Lenovo, HP, and even Surface. And um, we've worked to basically create a whole bunch of different reference designs. And, and as of there's about eighty six different products that are that are coming out. Um, probably going to see about four or five of them coming into New Zealand for the for this buying season, kind of you know back to school or, or, or Christmas season. Um, and these are low cost. You know, you're talking about having an eight inch Windows device for. Um, uh, you know, at probably a one ninety nine retail dollar product, and, and probably, you know, an end user customer or a school or someone like that buying them in volume for probably one hundred and fifty dollars, New Zealand including GST. Right. Yeah. So we're looking at one of those here. It's uh, what's this one? Seven inch. Seven inch. Sort that's of an eight inch. That's eight an, inch? that's okay. an eight inch Bay Trail device. One gig of RAM, uh, sixteen gig of storage, and and probably some people when they think Windows eight on one gig of RAM, sixteen gig of storage, probably shy away what you should know is that in windows in windows 8.1 update one we actually re-engineered and did some tweaks to the kernel the way that the the memory management worked this thing called plm or process life management to to actually make uh windows apps work fine on one gig and even with a 16 gig of of disk space there you've still got about 11 or 12 gigs of free space uh, through some ways we, we worked with WIM files and uh, kind of VHD files on the OS to to let you to basically boot off that but still have the OEM recovery partition. So right, so lots of good geeky but, changes but behind the scenes. That, that basically mean enabling, okay. enabling a great Windows experience on a low-cost device. And I think when you, you, know, when you pitch that against an Android device, you know it's a proper operating system, HDMI port, USB port, you can drive multiple monitors, you've got multiple user accounts, Accounts, um, you know, most of these devices actually come with a one-year subscription to Office 365 Personal, you know, built into them for that for that kind of price. Well, that's um, pretty good because that's worth what about a hundred bucks or so prob- in, in, yeah, in itself if you were to if you were to go out and buy it. So, yeah, I think I mean this is this stuff's going to be quite tempting, and uh, depending on what's in the market around and Christmas, I, and I think you know you, you look at that device, Paul. You've got it in your hands now. That's a uh, the build quality looks all right, doesn't it? Yeah, yep. No, that that looks that looks just fine. And you know, there's that thought in the back of the mind that uh, oh, actually, you know, you could plug a couple of things into here, and if you wanted to, you could, you know, you could run your big 32 inch screen off it. Uh, you you know, if you wanted to run a keyboard and mouse off it inside, you could actually run it as a as a sort of backup computer or something when you're travelling. Uh, where you just take one of those with you and uh, yeah, plug it into uh, whatever when you get to your destination. You could you can do a few bits and pieces when you're uh, when you're hooking into a cloud service and so on because you can you can install standard Windows yeah. stuff as well as all your usual uh, tablet sort of touch friendly apps. So these are um, I'm sure that's not going to be a big market for them, but it's it's kind of nice knowing you've got that option in the background. You you know you kind of expect to see these in New Zealand probably in about uh, three or four weeks um, mm. at some of the retailers. Some of the retailers will be carrying these uh, at um, at retail. 
and, and um, you know, one of the other popular ones, or I think it will be will be popular, is uh, say a ten inch device. So think about a ten inch Windows tablet, uh, detachable uh, with a keyboard, so you can do proper real work. Um, and a device like that's probably going to retail for three ninety nine, and then be available at, at volume to a to a customer buying them for you know probably less than three hundred dollars New Zealand right. including. So so this is this is Microsoft really making uh, every effort to be extremely competitive. At all price points, because you know, you've got you've got your Surface and your you know high end devices from your HPs and, and Lenovo's that there's a real you know, business really strong um, uh, yeah business friendly devices, but coming right right down yeah, to the if, very low cost consumer if, devices. If people are going to make you know pricing decisions about what hardware they buy, you know based on based on price, where they might think Android or Chromebook. Well, you know mm. we're going to we're going to play in that space too. And I think one of the interesting things about uh, say Chromebook, which is big in education, is is that you know you could basically get one of those, install Chrome, put it into Windows 8 mode, uh, and you've effectively got Chrome OS running on Windows. You've got the best of both worlds. You've got the your Google apps and stuff that 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 are that are popular, but you've also got a real OS under the covers that you can. A real OS. You keep saying that, Nathan. Well, what the- defines a real OS? <laughs> We not, won't get into that discussion. Not, not an OS that's just running web apps. Sure, sure. All right. Well, um, hey, that's great. Thank you for thank you for coming in, and certainly quite curious to see some of these other uh, devices as, as they land. But uh, yeah, this little eight inch inch tablet with its HDMI and USB, and um, yeah, it's it's got all the usual bits and pieces in there, uh, micro SD slot and so on. Uh, at that hundred ninety nine dollar price point, I imagine these are uh, these are going to see Microsoft winning some market share that they just they just haven't had for uh, yeah at all for the last few years. So um, yeah, we'll we'll look forward to that. And uh, Surface devices, we expect uh, new products to be sort of coming coming to market in the next next little while. Well, we're, Paul, we're always thinking about you know uh, what we can do to the Surface product line in terms of. Uh, going you know bigger and smaller and and, um you know but the thing that's always really in the back of our mind about surface is is how we can be differentiated from the other options in the market and um and also how we can kind of have a tablet that helps people you know do more And, and so we're always building and thinking about new new products um but nothing that i'm gonna be allowed to talk about tonight all right fair enough well um i mean the surface pro uh three that um uh that you're using there at the moment it seems to be uh um certainly attracting a bit of attention you know, again re- that, that you know microsoft maybe hasn't had in the, in the past so. and i guess you know really um has been has been pretty popular and we've also even just launched this new kind of uh desktop replacement bundle into the market which includes surface pro 3 and a cover and a dock um, at a bit of a at a bit of a discount, so that's that's kind of come into the market uh, now. And, and um, oh, I don't know disappoint wh- all those that just just bought them without your uh, your bundle. Is it a big? Is it a significant discount? You'd have to go and talk to the to the the, the four Surface resellers, the, right, the right. Acquire, the Datacom, Spark yeah, Digital, yeah, um, yeah. and Cyclone. But it's about ten percent, um, oh, ten percent nice. different. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know whether I've ever shown you the photo of how I've got my desk set up at home pool but I've got my Surface Pro 3 in a dock um, with how many monitors so I've got three monitors which is the maximum that it will drive um, externally and without jumping through too many hoops because I'm sure it's technically possible well, to, yes, to, do, you to could, drive uh, you could more use display link USB and probably have 20 if you wanted to <laughs> but I don't have a wall that big fair enough <laughs>
All right, well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll have a little bit of a peek at that in a minute. But, uh, hey, thank you very much for, for joining us again, Nathan. Now, where do people track you down uh, online or, or Twitter? Yep, so I am Nathan M on Twitter. That's the best way to to get hold of me excellent excellent well that's good um, and uh, yeah I can be tracked down on Twitter myself at Paul Spain uh, and you can catch NZ Tech Podcast at nztechpodcast.com and uh, we're also on Twitter at NZ Tech Podcast as well as across the other uh, other social networks and you can keep up to date with our various other uh, podcasts through uh, podcasts.co.nz currently that'll soon be uh, podcast.nz alright thanks everyone for listening catch you next week bye the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business.